The Denver Nuggets go up 2-0, get ready for game three. In game two, there was adjustments from the Phoenix Suns. There was also adjustments from the Nuggets. Going to go over all of that. Plus, going to talk about Lakers, Warriors, just a little peek ahead, which team would make the better matchup for the Nuggets. We'll talk about all that on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Matas, flying solo today. Matt Moore has the day off. He'll be with you tomorrow doing a solo episode to give you his thoughts, uh, predictions for Game 3. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. All right. Let's get into um, the first section here, which is just going to be once again going over. You know, I had a chance to go through all of the tape. I actually watched the game a couple times. I will have an edition of the list coming out later today. Um, it's a shorter one. I think there was like 30 clips in that first, the one I did for game one. If you missed it, it's up on the DNVR YouTube page. It's a really great watch. 20 minutes breaking down all of the things from game one that really framed the series. Game one, it wasn't... That's when the most like foundational aspects of the series are laid. Game two and three are usually about the adjustments. By game four, you're more or less out of adjustments. Both teams have, have basically said, okay, here's what we are. Here's where we want to attack you. And then past that point, there are little strategic things you do, but the major adjustments have been made. So in the first episode of the list after game one, I'm setting the foundation. Here's what Denver's going to do defensively. Here is how the Suns are going to try to attack that. So some of the stuff I talk about today are about the small marginal changes to both sides of those, you know, from what we saw in game one. Um, so if you missed that, go and check it out. And then later today, I will have a video with some video examples of the stuff I'm going to be talking about in this show. That'll probably give you a little bit better clue of things to look for. But first, I want to talk about Michael Malone's press conference from yesterday. The Nuggets did not practice. So they have four days off. Play on Monday. Don't play again until till, uh, Friday. They did not practice on Tuesday, and they did not practice on Wednesday, yesterday. Instead, I think they did like weight room uh, and film sessions. So it was like no practice, but we are going to go over the film, and then everybody gets a chance to get a lift in. And then they flew to Phoenix. So with all this time, usually you fly the night before or the day before. You spend one night there, and then you play your game. They wanted to get out a little bit early, practice on the court, just acclimate, you know, whatever it is. And so they went out there um, on Wednesday, but Michael Malone gave a presser. And once again, he was extremely relaxed, which again, I think is always notable. I think the Nuggets at this moment are very comfortable in the series, hopefully not too comfortable, but I do think that they're just extremely confident that this is, you know, a matchup they like and the position they're at two up to O that they're in a really good spot and they have a lot of confidence. So going in on the road, uh, you know, I think things are good. And Michael Malone even had this quote when he was asked about, you know, the playoffs so far. He said, playoffs have been easy to this point, meaning the team has not been on their heels. They're seven and one uh, or six and one, rather six and one so far. Uh, the one loss was in game four. So they had a three game lead before, you know, when they lost that one. So Denver hasn't really been feeling the pressure. And I think that's part of why they're so relaxed, so confident um, and, and just, uh, you know, it, tougher times are definitely ahead. But I think in this moment, the Nuggets feel pretty pretty comfortable. Um, 
he also had this line where he said of game two, he loved game two. I mean, if you, everybody knows Michael Malone, he loves a defensive struggle. He loves a defensive battle. He said, he's not much you can point to in game two that we can be better at, which I thought was interesting because I think a lot of people would look at that and say, you know, Murray could be better. The offense can be better. I think he agrees, but I think going through the tape, he feels like there is enough on the margins there about, Hey, we could have shot better from three. We had open looks. Uh, Murray can be better. There's things we can do. But the important part, the defensive part, I think he feels that the team is just locked in and that it's repeatable because the team is showing an execution on that end of the court. So I think he's very happy with how the team played in game two, even though it was what we would all classify as an ugly win. I asked him about where he's grown as a as a coach and he kind of laughed. Um, you know, I think that's maybe a more of a question for an offseason or, or maybe over a beer or something like that. But the interesting thing he said was that even in the playoffs, relationships and just being with your guys and giving them confidence is more important than X's and O's. This is a thing you always hear from coaches. I think guys like me and I think people watching the show get more into the X's and O's because they're interesting and because it's fun to kind of learn about the game in those ways. But I think that I, that coaches, when you're around the game, they feel a lot more about just the mental approach to the game for players, the relationships, the confidence. You know, don't lose confidence. Keep doing this. Hey, this is why we won. Make sure everybody knows that. It's not necessarily about some subtle strategy, but more about, hey, remember rebounding? We got to do that every game. Come on, tonight I need rebounding from you. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then he said that these seven games of the playoffs, he wanted to shout out Aaron Gordon specifically and the job he's done. And he said the seven games of the playoffs have probably been the best basketball of since AG arrived uh, in Denver. He's more happy, which is funny because we've talked about Aaron Gordon. You know, we've, we've given him some shine about the defense he had on Carl Anthony Towns and definitely on KD in the fourth quarter of this last game. But I don't know that I would think of these last seven games as like, wow, AG is at an all-time high. Michael Malone thinks he is and credits him a lot. And I just thought that was really interesting, um, you know, that he went out of his way to say that him specifically is at the top of his game. And then his expectations for this next game, two things. It's going to be in crazy environment. He says he's excited for it. You know, the Suns have really good fans. I have to hand it to them. I mean, I think they're, you know, whiny and they're, they can be a-holes online, but that's every fan base, to be honest with you. But they do show out for their team. Their, their, their crowd is loud and intimidating. And I think, um, you know, Michael Malone and I think all the Nuggets are kind of excited and ready for it. When you get excited about a Suns matchup and a chance for revenge, I think a lot of guys are – excited to beat them and excited for the series but i think there's also a little bit of a if we get to go silence that crowd that you know laughed us off the court a couple of years ago i think it means something a little bit different but the one area he expects the game to be different is he said and i agree with him he loved the way game two was called he says it was extremely physical there weren't a lot of foul calls on anything they allowed more contact than most games that you're going to see and he said early on, you kind of get a sense of, okay, this is a physical night. It's going to be physical, and you adjust to it. He says he does not expect that in game three. He expects the Suns to get some calls, and you know Denver's going to have to be even more disciplined with how they defend and, 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 and try to contest without fouling, knowing that the Suns are almost certainly going to early on try to draw some of that contact, try to like fall into guys. I mean, I'll be honest, Phoenix in this series – it's been guys like Akogi and guys like uh, Devin Booker mostly. Akogi on defense has been taking some dives on screens. I did video. I showed some videos of this on the last list where you can tell he's trying to draw fouls on Nikola. And it's smart. You want to get the other team's best player. Refs so far have not fallen for it at all. I don't think Jokic has gotten – I mean, actually, I think he's gotten one screening foul. Um, but 
for the most part, Okogie's dove on the floor like five, six times trying to flop a, a screen and refs haven't fallen for it. I wouldn't be surprised if they do fall for it in game three. I wouldn't be surprised if Jokic has two fouls in the first quarter and both of them are on off-ball action. It's just at some point a ref is going to say, no, we're calling it tight tonight and the flops will, will get away from him. And I will say Devin Booker, I think, has tried to draw – He's wasted a, a handful of possessions trying to draw fouls. And what I mean by that is he's created enough separation to get off the shots he loves, those mid-range pull-ups. But when Yoke switches out onto him, he'll shot fake and jump sideways or jump forward trying to draw a foul. And again, through two games, refs haven't rewarded him for those. They've they've basically said, like, no, we're not, we're gonna be a little bit more conservative on the trying to draw foul fouls. And to date, that hasn't worked. But if you go back to Phoenix, I just wouldn't be surprised if some of those rip-throughs and sideways jumps and you know, some of the stuff players do where they bump into somebody and fall down and throw the ball up. I wouldn't be surprised if some of those work in this next game. And, and Denver, I think, is expecting that. And then lastly, Bruce Brown spoke and, and he said he prefers playing on the road. If he, And I believe him. I buy, I buy Bruce, by the way. I think the guys that are most likely to be good in game three are Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Bruce Brown. Those are the three guys that I think will probably be least affected by the road energy and Jamal Murray just coming off of a bad game, I think he's got a bad taste in his mouth, which is big. When you go into a game three up 2-0, you need to have a little something extra, a little edge, because the natural pressure of if we lose this game, we're screwed, it's not there. If Denver loses this game, okay, regroup, go into game four, but and and you, you know, maybe you get a little bit more serious or what have you. But I think the fact that Murray is coming off of a bad game gives me hope that he like wants to go out and make a point, and that's always good. So those three guys, I think. I expect to play well. And that's not to say the other guys I don't expect to play well. It's just those are the guys I think I have most confidence that, um, you know, are going to kind of have their wits about them and their 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 heart in the game. Um, let's take a quick break. On the other side, I want to talk about the upcoming adjustments that I expect. We'll revisit some of the ones that happened in game two, but then through the lens of what do I expect in game uh, in game three to be some of the changes. And then also, you know, no Chris Paul. How does that affect things? But first, I want to tell you guys about better – help. It's so easy to get caught up in whatever else everyone needs from you. You never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. When we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and then switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I like that because they try to place you with somebody like, okay, we think we know the person to put you with. But in the event that it's not you're vibing with the person that you're working with, it's no problem. Find somebody. I think a lot of therapy is about finding the person that most understands you and most relates to you and can kind of give you the right perspective and the right professional advice. So visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA and you can get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on MBA. We'll be back right back with more locked on. All right, back here, locked on nuggets segment two. Gonna go over some of the adjustments from game two. But first, tomorrow, Matt Moore will be on and he'll be giving you his perspective. It's kind of nice. I love doing our show together. It's kind of nice to split up too. And you can kind of hear my stuff and his stuff in a little bit more detail. So I think it'll be a nice one-two punch getting you ready for, of course, Friday's game. Um, all right, let's talk about some of the adjustments. Obviously, they pressured Jamal Murray. And you're going to see how they, on multiple occasions, would try to run Jamal Murray through multiple screens just to make him work out. And Malone even referenced this. 
part of what happened in his opinion in game two was that the Nuggets is that Jamal Murray got sped up. He says, if you go back and look at the first quarter, Murray's picking up Chris Paul full court and turning him. And then on the other end, he's going through pick and rolls. He thinks that he was burning the candle on both ends. And that in game three, Murray's going to have to manage his energy a little bit better, meaning be a little bit smarter. And they're going to look for ways to lighten that, lessen that burden. Now, for one, you don't have Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul was the biggest culprit in being able to wear out Jamal Murray. Think about it this way. Murray's going to match up with, with Chris Paul. Now he'll probably match up with Campaign, who, by the way, we'll talk about in, in a minute. But he'll probably match up with whoever else is out there. KCP will then hop on, um, you know, Devin Booker. But Campaign, as good as as much as he can be at home, maybe he gets a little bit of a boost. He's not like Chris Paul that can like snake screens and really run you around and just as crafty and, and high IQ. I think Murray defensively is going to get a little bit of a break from this. Now, the Suns do like to try to switch and put Murray out on an island, but I just think it's a little bit different doing that and guarding in ISO than it is having to snake through pick and roll. So I think for Murray, naturally, without Chris Paul there, the defensive side becomes a little bit easy. And then the offensive side, Michael Malone said, you know, they're going to try to have other people bring the ball up. Um, you know, I think they built in some things. They did some stuff in this game, by the way, in the second half to lessen it, we'll talk about. But I think in game three, you get a chance to do practice and shoot around and watch tape. And I think you come up with a better game plan to say, hey, if they're going to overextend the way they did on Jamal Murray in game two, then we're going to take advantage of it and be smart about it. And by the way, Mike Malone liked how Jamal Murray played in game one or game two. He said he didn't make shots, but if you look at him, plus 15, and he impacted the game in other ways. And I, and I think that's true. So I think in this game, Denver's going to try to make things easy for him. And then let's be honest, Jamal Murray, it's... As unsurprising that he has a bad game following a good one as it is that he has a good one following a bad one. So I would expect him to come out and be big and make plays in big moments, even if I think Torrey Craig is going to continue to try to pressure him. And if you look at the other series, the Warriors series, you know, Jared Vanderbilt has spent some time on Steph Curry. And length bothers guards in particular. So if they're skinny and they can get through. Torrey Craig, to me, is a better defender for Jamal Murray than Josh Okogie. Again, I predicted he would start in game two. Maybe he'll start in game three. But either way, I think him guarding Murray is the right decision. But Denver will try to put him off ball and do some other things, I think, um, that'll make it tough. And then on the other end, they did a great job of just not getting screened in this game. Part of the video I'll have coming out will show you how much they worked to avoid screens. And again, put Jokic in position to where if he's going to screen, he's going to have to like maybe lean a little bit and then he's vulnerable to fouls. I think Murray needs to do a much better job setting up screens. And I think that the Nuggets in general are going to have to run some actions that make it harder to not switch off, harder to chase. And I think Denver will. So it'll be an interesting balance for Phoenix to see, one, can they avoid not getting screened based on whatever adjustments Denver makes? And then, two, if they're not screened, they're probably trailing the play. And is Denver prepared for, hey, when we get them trailing, here's how we take advantage of it, and you're set for it. That'll be interesting to see, and it'll probably be one of the most important things of this game. Um, end of game for Denver, though. Denver has been very smart in the fourth quarter defensively with how they've adjusted and prepared because obviously teams in the fourth quarter want to put Jokic in pick and roll. It's the best thing you can do is attack them that way. And Phoenix, another adjustment they've made is they've tried to put more shooting on the court. It backfired on them in that Damian Lee played 26 minutes but did not score and did not make a three. I think he was 0 for 5 or 0 for 6. I don't expect that to be the case at home. They're going to shoot better. But Phoenix is doing what I thought they should do all along, which is punt on defense. 
They're not doing a, I mean, obviously they stopped Denver in this capacity last time, but when you talk about what kind of roster do you want to throw out there, do you want to throw a defensive lineup up or would you throw your offensive lineup and then try to scheme defensively? I think the second one is the better option. That's what they did in game two. And I think they're going to play more minutes with their quote unquote offensive lineups. I wouldn't be surprised if a Terrence Ross got out there. Just they're playing everybody anyway. You might as well keep trying until you see if you find a combination of players that works. But I would guess that it skews a little bit more offensive. So late in games, one thing that happened was they Nuggets would always try to pre-switch Jokic onto somebody else. And they've done this in really clever ways. It's not just usually like, oh, my Aiton's going to set a screen. Let's switch this way. Denver has matched up on strange personnel to try to force the ball to directions they want. So if you think they want to put Jokic in the pick and roll, so if he's guarding Aiton, that's perfect because Aiton's rolling and Aiton's too big. If like Murray's the low man or Michael Porter's the low man, he's too big, even Bruce Brown, that he can get fouled. And then Aiton is an okay playmaker on the roll because that's what bigs do. They playmake on the roll. In game two, in the fourth quarter, Jokic would just guard Josh Akogi. And the reason is now the pick and roll becomes with Akogi on Devin Booker, let's say. And Denver just ignores Akogi as a roll man. They think, okay, if he's going to roll to the basket, he's going to have to finish over Aaron Gordon or Jamal Murray or whatever. And he doesn't have an advantage in that spot. So Denver would trap the ball on Devin Booker in the fourth quarter force the ball on the roll. And if you remember, there's a three-play sequence that's very interesting. It was actually a four-play, but I'll just break down three of them. The first one, Akogi rolls to the basket, and for some reason, Aaron Gordon rotates up to guard him, and Akogi drops it off. I think Aiton stuffs it through. And Jokic comes over to him and goes, hey, man, this isn't what we're doing. We're doing something else tonight. And the point he was saying was, when you're the low man you try and you have the two-on-one, the floater or the lob, and you have to decide how to play it, you play cat and mouse. You fake up, you fake back, you kind of make them guess in between. What Yoke is telling him is play that, fake, but always go back. Just never step up on Josh Okogie. Make him shoot floaters or make him make reads. Like, do I pass left? Do I pass right? Like, where's the guy at? Because Okogie, again, that's an adjustment Phoenix is making that they're not comfortable with, but it's like, hey, if they're going to do this, we need to do this. But a Kogi making plays on the roll is not the thing. And so the second play, they come down. Gordon perfectly plays in between, but you could tell he's going to stay back. A Kogi stops, doesn't shoot it, turns around and passes it right back to, um, to Kevin Durant, who gets a shot off and, and it doesn't go down. So I think Denver is going to continue to try to do this. Hide Jokic on whoever, whichever player they most want to be the role man. That might be Torrey Craig in game three. That might be Terrence Ross in game three. It doesn't matter. The point is they want to put a guy down there that is not comfortable making those plays. And so they'll have Jokic guard him and just have Aaron Gordon guarding um, DeAndre Ayton. Now, on several occasions, they would still use Ayton as the screener. You would switch, you know, Aaron Gordon then switches out onto Kevin Durant or onto Devin Booker, whoever it is. And then the guard, usually it's Murray or KCP, are end up on Ayton. But what, ha- what Denver's doing a good job of is as Aiton rolls or pops, Jokic then switches onto him and KCP switches away. So you don't get the skip pass. You don't get the roll, man. And Denver has just been very good. Now, you have to communicate. You have to be locked in. And the timing of all of these switches and exchanges is very important. But Denver has been absolutely locked in. And I think Phoenix has been slow on some of on, on some of that stuff. So look for more of this in Game 3 just because I, I think with the limited options, one of the questions I have for Denver in these playoffs is, are they as good – defensively as they've looked so far because they've looked fantastic i think they have a top five defense in the playoffs and the numbers have been through the roof especially in this series when you think kd chris ball you would expect them to be getting torched but they're not 
And one of the questions I have is that because Denver's defensive effort has gone up, I mean, clearly it has, is it because of that? How much is that? And how much of it is they are a compromised team that Denver's able to do some of these, I don't want to call them gimmicks, but they are non-conventional things that they can only do because it's Josh Akogi, not some lesser player, you know, Torrey Craig, not some lesser player. And is, is it going to get to a point where if you just say, for example, it's the Warriors and that's who, who would you try to hide him on? Draymond Green. Well, Draymond Green's like the second best behind Jokic, second best playmaker on the role. Would you put him on um, Andrew Wiggins? Well, Andrew Wiggins is more than capable of spacing Jokic out and isoing him for a mid-range jumper or getting to the rim. So it becomes harder in, in a series where a team is more well-rounded, Boston, even Philadelphia. Denver. So I don't know if Denver is executing solely on a high level or if they're able to because of the opponents that they've gone against so far. But we'll find out. They've been switching through complexity and rotating and doing things well. And I do expect that to continue in the series. And lastly, you know, Chris Paul not being there, I think, makes the scheme even easier for Denver. In part because it's one, it's one less ball handler that you're terrified of. Chris Paul can get into the mid-range, especially in a close game, get into that mid-range. But also when Chris Paul has the ball in his hands, that was when the Suns had their best spacing. Because you have Kevin Durant and Booker spacing the court. If the ball's in Booker or KD's hands... One of those guys is not spacing the court and they don't have a replacement spacer behind them. So I think the Chris Paul injury honestly is pretty substantial one for Denver in terms of it, it should make things easier. It might make things harder in one game, you know, campaign coming in at home. Maybe he goes off. Maybe he has something like that. But I don't know. I, I still think it's going to make things easier overall for Denver if, if Chris Paul's not able to go. Um, they also tried Damian Lee. They tried uh, uh Ish Wainwright, they've tried a, a handful of players that are non-conventional. And like I said, the offense part. And then lastly, they've put more distance on the, the backside. So because Denver is helping over so much, they have made a concerted effort to space the court more. And they got some good skip passes where Denver's X out, meaning the low man rotates so hard that when the skip pass goes to the corner, it's not the low man recovering to his guy. It's the guy on the opposite wing goes to the corner, and then you X out. So you can imagine one goes to the corner, one from the top goes to the corner, and one from the bottom goes to the wing to recover. Making those, putting a little bit more space in there, and there's a couple of plays, these will be on the list as well, where Devin Booker did a good job of you know, faking the skip pass and hitting the roll man or faking the roll man and hitting the skip pass, and they just created more space. Now, it wasn't enough. The offense still got bogged down, but we'll see if it makes a difference in game three when they're at home. Um. Let's take another break. On the other side, I want to get into some more things that I predict for game three and then also talk about the briefly about the Lakers Warrior Series and which team I think is definitively easier for the Nuggets should they advance there. All right, back here, segment two, Locked On Nuggets podcast, or segment three, Locked On Nuggets podcast. Again, Matt Moore will be back tomorrow. Looking forward to what he has to say uh, about going into game three. So questions for game three. Number one, they single covered Jokic and Jokic absolutely tortured DeAndre Ayton. Are they willing to make that bet again? If this were in Denver, maybe I would say yes, because you're more inclined to worry about Michael Porter and KCP making shots at home. The fact that this game is on the road, I wouldn't be surprised if they helped early on just for one, to change up the scheme and try something different. But two, especially against staggered lineups. Whenever Jokic is on the court with Christian Brown and Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they help hard saying, let's see if Jeff Green can make threes on the road. Let's see if Bruce Brown can. Let's see if Christian Brown can. And I think it's a good strategy. So will they continue to see single cover Yoke? I don't think so. And the other thing about Jokic is Jokic does get better as series goes on. That's traditionally been true for, for him, especially in his one-on-one matchups. And especially if you try to single cover him, think Rudy Gobert, you know, in the bubble. I think with Aiton, Jokic in this last game demonstrated a sort of comfort level and familiarity that if you single cover him, I think Jokic will get better and better with each game at attacking him. The other thing I think Denver can do is get him on the move. They did it once or twice in game two. I don't think on purpose. I think just in the flow of the offense. And Jokic drew fouls or he got to the rim. Jokic is so good on the move. And most centers, even Aiton, who's more mobile than Jokic, it's still where he's most likely to draw fouls is trying to run around guard Jokic, meet him, move his feet and all those things. So I think Denver can try to get Jokic on the move, especially if they're going to continue to overload and face guard Jamal Murray the way that they have been. Murray spaces the court and gets out of the way, lifts a little high, swing the ball over and run an action for Jokic, get him moving and running to the basket with an open paint because Murray is stretching one defender out at all times. So you're talking about four on four type basketball. Get him on the move, and I just think he's going to score and he's going to draw fouls on DeAndre Ayton, which is probably the best thing you can do in this series is Aiton, as much as Suns fans don't seem to like him very much and blame him and can't guard Jokic one-on-one, who can, um, he still, if he's not on the court, they're getting murdered. So he has to stay on the court. Campaign running the point is going to be an interesting one. Does he start? Do they not start a point guard and just let Devin Booker play? But campaign is in line for a lot of minutes. He was horrible in game one. He shot a shot that went behind the basket. I think the Suns are a front-running team. I've said this before. I've KD's a great player, but I think he's a better player when he's in the front, you know, in the lead. And I think Devin Booker throughout his career has demonstrated to be a better player when the team is up or at least within striking distance. If you can create some distance and put them on their heels, I think all of those guys, but especially a player like Campaign, is going to have more and more pressure on him. And that's what you want. You want Campaign to feel the pressure. You don't want him to feel the crowd and feel all those things because Cam is a guy that I think rides those waves. So what does he look like at point? He's going to be trying to get to the basket. One thing Denver has not done a good job of in the past has been guarding the paint off of drives. Campaign is probably, I mean, he's not good at finishing, but he can get to the bat. I mean, he'll be a threat to get to the basket and to be attacking downhill. I think it's part of the game that he really likes, and we'll see if he can be effective. If Denver can make him not effective in those areas, then I think there's a real chance. Like Campaign is a player that if he comes out and has a horrible first quarter, the Suns get tighter. If he comes out and has a good first quarter, it's going to open up a lot of things because now you're like worried about we got to contain him. So I think campaign, if he starts and if he plays, will be in many ways a, an important sort of piece to making sure Denver gets him under control. And then where the role players hit shots, I think they'll go back to Damian Lee, but Torrey Craig hasn't made shots in the series. Does he catch fire at home? Um, if those guys start to make shots, obviously the Suns become a lot more difficult to guard. So that'll be an interesting one. And then... I'm curious if Denver overloads even harder in the lineups where they don't. If they do start or play heavy minutes with an all-shooting lineup, that means they're probably going to have some minutes with very little shooting. If you play all your shooters at once, inevitably you're going to have to start staggering even more. And with Chris Paul not there, that means there will probably be little pockets, not long stretches, but three minutes here, three minutes there, where they're going to be playing two or three non-shooters. And if that happens, I'm so curious to see whatever poor star, whether it's KD or Booker, one of those guys is going to have to carry a, a lineup that features two or three non-shooters. And if you do, 
Denver can just overload, can really start to cheat. And I'm curious to see if that gets uh, if that becomes an advantage for Denver. Lastly, want to talk about um, the Warriors Lakers matchup. I think Nuggets fans should be rooting pretty hard for the Warriors. Now, looking at how this has gone so far, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because this series with the, the Suns can still flip, but it's looking at this point like the first round matchup was relatively easy, even though it was like exhausting and they did a good job defensively. Denver got out in five games and they were able to do more or less something that they wanted to do, whether it was offense, defense, they were able to execute their game plan for the most part. The Suns through two games, even easier. Denver has been able to execute their game plan on offense. Even though they hit adversity in game two, they still were able to like in the clutch, get the ball where it was supposed to go. And then defensively, as I mentioned earlier, because they're a little compromised, Denver has been able to um, execute their chosen scheme at a high level. I think both the Warriors and the Lakers present challenges that are different. One, we'll just start with, I think both are better defensively than either the Suns or the, the Timberwolves. So it'll be the best defense they've faced so far. But offensively, the Lakers less so. I think the Lakers, there are going to be players Denver's going to be able to overload and help off of. Um, the Warriors, almost none. Like Warriors have, they know what they're doing. Their top line is really, really good. And it's going to be hard for Denver to like cheat off of somebody. I think Nuggets fans should be rooting for the Warriors to win. The Lakers, to me, won. They present a matchup on Jokic that, and Anthony Davis that's really, really tough. Um, I would love it if he went through Anthony Davis. I think there's a real world where Jokic goes through Towns, Gobert, Ayton, AD, and B. That's like the murderous row of great centers. And if you go through all of that and root to your first title, it becomes this historic thing that we always – remember that run where he went through everybody, including the MVP, Joel Embiid. You know, if you have one of those, it's definitive. It's historic. You remember it. But Anthony Davis is the type of defender that that gives Jokic problems and has actually literally given him problems in the past. And he looks as good as ever on the defensive end. As good as ever. Um, can he stay healthy? That's always the rub. But so far, so good for him. And I think he would present the challenge of Jokic is always the team's most important player. And Anthony Davis would be really hard on Jokic. Then you have the LeBron factor where I think defensively Denver's best matchup is to put Jokic off of Anthony Davis and onto a different player. But that means Aaron Gordon has to guard Anthony Davis, which means nobody guards LeBron. I mean, Michael Porter, KCP, it doesn't matter. It's not a good matchup. So naturally it's there. And then lastly, I think Denver has struggled most against good defenses in the postseason, not good offenses. And the Warriors, the Suns are the latest example of this, a great offensive team that hasn't proven to be good defensively. And Denver is... Denver has proven they can get stops, but, you know, if you stop them, things get harder and harder. So I think the Warriors, as good as they are and as dangerous as Steph Curry always will be, I still think they have less, less versatility, fewer players that match up directly with your guys. Looney's a good player, but Jokic just going up against Draymond and Looney. I think he he knows how to attack them. Jamal Murray in the pick and roll knows how to attack them. I think the Warriors would be a meaningfully easier matchup for the Nuggets than the Lakers. I think the Warriors are still going to win that series, but the Lakers have been consistently good on the defensive end in a way that I think would give Denver problems. And then it's always scary to say, hey, who's going to win a slugfest? You know, LeBron and Anthony Davis are still a dynamic duo in the clutch and would be tough. So I think Denver, I'll say this, I think Denver's good enough to beat both of them. Um, but they're also, those other teams are good enough to beat Denver if Denver doesn't have it or if Denver trips up. So if it were me, I think the Warriors... They're also a better story. Like I, the Lakers, this Lakers team's so annoying because 
they haven't been the incumbents like the warrior. This is the warriors era that the Lakers kind of got a championship in during a really strange year, but the warriors have been the team that have been there. And I just think that this feels like the last year. And I think it'd be great for Denver to go through the warriors, get revenge on last year's series and unseat the champs. And then lastly, with the ball movement that they play with, if Denver gets through that series, it would be because their defense went up another level. And I think that that would be great for Denver to be forced to have to guard as a team in your scheme and rotate and make reads and be locked in mentally. I think it would be great prep for them for the next round. If if you guard the Lakers, it would still take a lot of defensive prep and a lot of execution. Um, but I think a little bit less so, less so. The Lakers are more like the Warriors. They have the pick and roll with a big bodied ball handler and then obviously an athletic rim roller. So there would be some like interest there of if you do go that route and you beat the Lakers, you probably learned something that would help you in Philly. But I don't think Philly's winning that series. I think the Celtics are winning that one. Um, and the Celtics are probably more like the Warriors. So Warrior Celtics to me would be an interesting way for an interesting path for Denver. And I think probably a better matchup for Denver and a better story for Denver. So that's it. That does it for me. Matt Moore will be back tomorrow. He'll be giving you guys his perspective. I'm looking forward to that. Then we'll both be back Saturday recapping game three. The Nuggets look to go up 3-0. Everybody hit that like button for us. We'll see you next time.